With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Start your weekend off right. This is BetQLU with RJ Choppy, Chris Mack, and Kayla Canaram on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. And welcome in. We do it for an hour every weekend with you Friday nights and Saturday mornings live coast to coast on the BetQL Network. This is BetQLU. Hi, I'm Chris Mack alongside RJ Choppy and Kayla Canaram. We are here to take a look inside everything that we expect to go down this weekend in college football. And before a brief look back, when we wag our fingers and say shame on you to several parties for their effort in week three, Let's let's first, you know, let's find some positivity because I'm coming off as as a as a member of Steelers Nation. I know we don't talk <laughs> NFL here, but coming off an, an ugly Thursday night loss, I I need some positivity in my life, guys. So give me some kind of positivity because I all my bets lost, all my team lost. I just I'm a disaster this morning. So make me feel good. RJ, Kayla, anything, please. It's Friday. Uh, it's Friday. <laughs> can you get? Can you start it's the weekend. The okay. Yeah, we could do that. You know what? That's all I needed. Just get me to the weekend. Get me to the college football. Um, I, I'm. You have a clean I, slate I go- ahead of you for college football. That's right. We do. Speaking though of good things in college football, I did want to bring it up briefly because Thursday night I was also watching, um, kind of a second screen with West Virginia, Virginia Tech because that was the game on ESPN Thursday night. And I've come to the conclusion that every single college football broadcast, guys, should start with the entrance for the home team, because nothing beats Enter Sandman. And this is coming from a, from a Penn State guy as well, who loves Zombie Nation and all that. But I don't know if anything beats Enter Sandman at Lane Stadium. Vatek ended up getting rolled by West Virginia in the end. Um, but that entrance is just otherworldly. It made me want to run through a wall, and I'm not even a fan of the Hokies. <laughs> I'm surprised by that. I didn't think I didn't. Yeah, I didn't take you for the uh, you know the new age like throw some sound, you know, pipes and you know sound in there. I thought you. I figured oh, you yeah. for the let the marching band play. Let that happen. You know those those schools that play the music like the the that's schools without tradition, man. You got to get rid of that. That's, leave that for the South Carolinas and the. And the Wisconsin's of the world, you know, the real school. Let them play the the marching band out there. Let them get rolling out. That's what you got to do. All right, all right, Mister Rocky Top. Listen, just all, all these gray hairs in the beard are lo- each one is a lost bet. It doesn't indicate necessarily how old I am in here. Okay, which if you could give me Metallica and you could get everybody rocking out to start a game, Kayla, that, that's what I, we need. Some energy to start these things and. Thursday night again I just I I loved it I've never been at Lane Stadium for the opening of a Hokies game with Enter Sandman but that was just epic Thursday night well this begs the question there should be a some kind of series that highlights every team's entrance to see which one ranks the best see I'll get on that 
you're the idea person around here. That's what I like. You you get on that. RJ and I will just ride your coattails to success, and everybody will be happy. Uh, all right, I week have three. To side with RJ though, I like I like the marching band. You like the band. Former member of the dance team at Mizzou who practiced with the band, went out with the band. I'm okay. Dance team can dance to anything, though. Dance dance teams can dance to Metallica, yeah. to Zombie Nation, to the White Stripes. You can do it all. You're multi-talented. But anyway, sure. week three, we've got to get things started wagging our fingers at someone and saying, shame on you. And I'm going to start by suggesting BYU, the Cougars, who I thought were primed to make some noise this year. Uh, I don't even know if they actually showed up uh, to Eugene. I don't, it felt like they weren't ready. It felt like they got absolutely run out of the building before they even realized the game had kicked off. And look, when you're BYU and you're, you're not Notre Dame, so as an independent, you're going to have to run the table to get any kind of playoff consideration. Uh, you can't afford to, to lay an egg or go flat anywhere, and they were totally flat all night last week up in Oregon. Yeah, I mean, Bo Nix came to play, recorded his first career three rushing TD game. Um, I think the real L in this game, honestly, was Oregon and their chant about BYU. I mean, no matter what you believe, that just wasn't cool. Um, but yeah, BYU dropped seventh, uh, seven in the polls, down to seven, um, down seven spots, I should clarify. Uh, Oregon went up 10. I don't think this one was a huge deal in, in um, compared to the other ones we're going to get to, but uh Considering they beat South Florida before this and got by Baylor at home 26-20, I don't think it was the worst of the week. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's not an easy place to play, uh, you know, and, and it hasn't been. And, you know, it's uh, – Oregon is a team that – what were they ranked, like 11th to start the year? So mm -hmm. th there's obvious talent there. It just didn't come together. Uh, and maybe this kind of, you know, underscores just how dominant Georgia's going to wind up being this year uh, or, or is considering what mm -hmm. they did to Oregon to start the season. But yeah, I mean, this was, I think, I think the surprising aspect is that, is that BYU seemed largely non-competitive in this game. And, yeah. and that was, that was surprising to me. Uh, we'll, we're going to wag our fingers and say, shame, shame on Georgia Southern as well. Cause as great of a fairy tale story as app state is and watching the ending of these games is absolutely ridiculous. And it's why we watch college football uh, taking the intentional safety then giving them decent field position and then giving up the Hail Mary. That's, that's, that's in that instance, that's at least two out of three absolute no nos, RJ. Oh, gosh, yes. I mean, it, there's, there's a few things that you can't do. And then one of them is like, you know, the, the, the Hail Mary. You, you, can't be, you can't be giving up Hail Marys. Like, that is, that is football 101. Like, nothing bothers fans more, me more than like, just, you know, I don't say dumb football, but dumb football. Like, you know, if you, if you play a style and then all of a sudden, like, you, you make, like, a, one of these mental errors that it just cannot happen. You know, you cannot have that. That's where it's, like, just just end it. Like, I don't want to watch this anymore. Like, I don't want to watch this team anymore. Like, like that, that's, where I, that's where I kind of get with, with some of these. And, and that was one of it. I mean, you just can't have that happen. Kayla, App State, though, is a fun fairy tale. And as long as they're rolling with this, like – I, I think I'm in on them against James Madison this weekend. I, I, I just, I, there's something about these teams. Now, the, the flip side to that, the counterpoint would be, yeah, well, 
look at this. They're they're losing these games in some cases, like the big comeback to North Carolina, and they're barely getting by, like the game against Georgia Southern. But I think I'm in on App State and wanting to ride this fairy tale as long as we can. I loved it. I thought that game day atmosphere was absolutely incredible. Um, and it was just like a perfect ending to that weekend. It, it was it made for awesome TV. I was rooting for them the whole time. I I'm a big fan of this this team. I'm excited to see where they go. I think they've got a lot of people behind them. And um, again, that game day atmosphere was insane. I loved it. I love it when they All get right. schools like that. Yeah, let's let's wag our fingers and say shame, shame as well on Nebraska. Nebraska didn't even talk about teams that didn't show up. I complained about BYU earlier. Uh, I really thought that, and we talked about it last week, getting Scott Frost out, uh, there would be some sort of, you know, a rivalry game against Oklahoma. First time the Sooners had been in Lincoln in a while that we would get a better effort from the Huskers. Instead, they got absolutely rolled. And I look, I think on one hand, it does reinforce just how good Oklahoma is. And if they can run the table, they're in the national championship conversation. But I think more than that, it reinforced that Nebraska has a long way to go, Kayla. Yeah, this wasn't a huge surprise to me. I think I called it last Friday. It just felt like a huge distraction going on um, behind the scenes as they go into a big game. I'm never going to count OU out. I just know what they're capable of. Um, I just didn't think there was any way that they were going to beat OU or even come close to it. By the way, guys, do we think that the Huskers will get their wish? Did you hear the we want urban chants going on? Oh, man. <laughs> While he was in the building. Uh, I, did, My I, God. Did. I did. I did see that. I don't know that they do get their wish. Uh, I, the, the latest name is Dave Aranda, right? So it's like maybe that's who they wind up going for uh, over at Baylor, who's done a great job uh, at not exactly the easiest place uh, to recruit. But, man, that was uh, that was especially disappointing from, from Nebraska last week. It's like. You know, the new coach theory usually comes through, did not come through. They, they were they were a train wreck. And maybe this program is further away. Maybe it wasn't all Scott Frost's fault. Uh, maybe they're just further away talent-wise than, than we may have thought. Um, it, it is, you know, at some point, you know, we'll have the, the realization that some programs just aren't viable in 2022. And maybe Nebraska is that program. Maybe, maybe they are. Uh, there was the, the ESPN had that article, the six programs that have, gone dormant and Nebraska was one of them. Uh, you know, some others seem to be kind of on the trek back, but they don't, they, they, and, and I don't know who helps them. You have to be able to convince kids from Texas and California to go there. Uh, right. I live in Texas. You couldn't get me to go to, to Lincoln, Nebraska. Well, especially now that they're in the big 10, you know, it, it, that, that doesn't yeah. uh, in the big 12, they had some natural rivalries like Oklahoma Kids could count on their parents being able to dr make the drive in most cases to go see them play if they ended up there. The Big Ten, that's, you know, when you when you fly out to, to College Park to play Maryland or out to, uh, you know, New Brunswick to play Rutgers, mom and dad can't make the trip. And it's not exactly a marquee matchup anyway to tell them and all of your friends back home, hey, watch me this weekend. They don't want to, that's not going to get it done. So you wonder if that's one of those conference affiliation moves that ends up hurting a program more in the long run, even though, Financially, it's working out for them. Uh, Arizona yeah. State, this is our final wag of the finger as we hand out shame after week three of the college football season. They lose to Eastern Michigan, and then I'm not quite clear if Herm Edwards quite got off the field still employed or not. Uh, it looked like he may have been fired in the end zone, but I don't know. You know, Arizona State is a program 
that way back in the day, before any of us were around in the 70s, was a big power in what was then the Pac-8 and Pac-10. But they've been to just three New Year's Six Bowls in the last 45 years, and it's been 26 years, over a quarter century, since Arizona State last went to a New Year's Eve uh, six game or New Year's six game. Pardon me. That was 1996 with Jake the Snake Plumber and Pat Tillman. They were 11 and 0 before they lost in the Rose Bowl to Ohio State that year, and they finished number four. So Arizona State is starting to increasingly feel to me, guys, like one of those programs that just is never going to get back to prominence. And this certainly between the investigation into Herm's administration, the fact that it sounds like. Arizona State assistants were leaking info to other teams. There's a report out there alleging that, that they've got, this is another program that was once great, maybe not as great as Nebraska, but has a whole a real long way to go, RJ. Uh, yeah, I think it does. Um, you know, listen, I do say, I do think one thing, Arizona State, and I think this is true for a lot of the Pac-12, because there's a story about UCLA out there that, you know, the, 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 um, commissioner of the, of the conference is like, hey, guys, you know, if you go to the Big Ten, I mean, you're going to have to pay all kinds of more money for coaches, which is telling me that Pac-12 goes does things on the cheap out there. But, you know, Arizona State is – they have a very unique advantage I don't think a lot of schools have. They are a major university in a major city. It should be easy to draw kids in from out of state. You know, it's not like, like, like we just talked about Nebraska. It's really hard to get – to convince me to go to Lincoln. It shouldn't be hard to convince me to go to Tempe, okay? If I'm a young 18-year-old kid, I'm like, oh, Arizona State girls? Yeah, let's go. I'm in, right? Like that. I'm sorry. Like, that's the recruiting. Are we, are we going to, like, we're going to split your hairs here, right? Like, that's the recruiting pitch, right? That's, that's what it is. It's just like Austin. It's like Athens. It's like, okay, yeah, I'm in. It shouldn't be hard to do, uh, but it has been for whatever reason. Maybe they don't have the support of the administration. Um, you know, I know there's not a ton of D1 talent in Arizona, like there would be in, in like a Georgia, uh, you know, which is, a, you know, just take it outside the, the power three of, of high school football of Florida, Texas, and California. There's no mm-hmm. reason Arizona State shouldn't dominate. And they should go get Deion Sanders. Like, just go, just, just write a check right now. Go get yourself some prime time in your life, and then let's go. Sounds like they've, they've focused in more on people with experience out west, Kayla, but – I, I don't know what the path back is. You know, schools sometimes that are in those major cities or big cities that, you know, I'm thinking of like the, the Boston colleges and the Pittsburghs back on the other side of the country don't always have the most success. But then you've got another example of, for example, the University of Washington up in Seattle who has succeeded, USC in LA. It seems to work better out West. And I think it's a great point by RJ, but I still don't know if it's necessarily a short road back for the Sun Devils. Yeah, in terms of who you put in that spot for the coach, I I don't have an answer to that. Do I say Urban again? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't know what it's going to take to get this to get this program back on task. Like you said, it's kind of a mess right now, Arizona State, with the NCAA investigation, as you all mentioned, hanging over their heads, which then affects recruiting, which then affects the roster, and not to mention what's going to happen to the Pac-12. So good luck to whoever walks into that job. Um, I would just like to say I absolutely adore Herm Edwards and I'm sorry he lost his job and I hope it means he's going back to broadcast because he was a treat to watch. He was. He was a treat at his press conferences back in the day with the Jets. Hello, you play to win the game. Will always be a classic. (laughs) It's right up there with Denny Green. They are who we thought they were. So 
uh, a, a, a forever drop that will will live in uh, great the, the great annals of press conference history. Speaking of the Pac-12, we will get into them in just a little bit because there's a couple of games to keep an eye on. But some of the biggest games in Week Four of the college football season take us down south and out east and kind of south and east in one case in particular we'll go over some of those biggest games in week four alongside Kayla Canaram and RJ Choppy I'm Chris Mack this is BetQLU on the BetQL network this is BetQLU with RJ Chris and Kayla here on the BetQL network presented by BetMGM Back to BetQLU with RJ Choppy, Chris Mack, and Kayla Canaram on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Yeah, you can watch the show on our Twitch feed as well. Go to twitch.tv and find BetQL there. Find our feed. Listen to us wherever you might be in the world on your Odyssey app. And, of course, live coast-to-coast on the BetQL Network every Friday night and Saturday morning. Alongside Kayla Canaram and RJ Choppy, I'm Chris Mack. We get you ready for the biggest games in college football. There is a big one for the first time in a long time in a place where they almost never get big games, or at least they haven't much in the last 10 or 15 years. We'll get to that one. A couple of huge SEC matchups. It feels like we've got that every single week. One in particular that I know our friend RJ will have a very close eye on Saturday afternoon. But let's start in the ACC with a game that I, I, I don't know what to make of it, guys. I'll just be honest. Uh, Saturday noon, number five, Clemson visiting 21 Wake Forest. Spread right around seven, seven and a half at Bet MGM. Wake nearly lost straight up to Liberty last week. Uh, the Flames wreaking havoc in the Demon Deacons' backfield. Uh, needless to say, they didn't cover the 17 and a half Wake Forest. And through three games, their quarterback's just 5 of 13 with a pick and six sacks under pressure. You would think that Clemson, with that defensive front, will be able to create a lot of pressure. Wake's defense also 81st in the country, according to ESPN's SP Plus measure. So is this a game where Clemson runs away and hides? Do we still have our doubts about DJ Uyunglele? What do we think, Kayla, about Clemson and Wake Saturday afternoon? Well... <laughs> I'm high on Clemson. Yeah. They've allowed just 42 points through three games. Meanwhile, as you said, Liberty attempted to pull the upset with a two-point conversion gone wrong uh, against Wake. And Wake's run games really struggled with Liberty. Uh, meanwhile, Clemson is 3-1 and one against the spread in their last four games with the Deacons. I know the pass is the pass, but Clemson has won 13 straight against Wake Forest. Uh, so I'm counting on Will Shipley to once again have a big game. He's had two touchdowns in all three games. Um, Clemson is now 10-0 straight up in the past 10 games with the Deacons, Demon Deacons, and 6-0 straight up in the past six road games at Wake. Wake, on the other side, is 11-0 straight up in their last 11 home games, but I am just going to go with Clemson here at minus 7, 7.5, and I kind of like the over 55.5. We'll see. Clemson's averaged 41 a game, Wake's averaged 42, so let's have some fun. Clemson's in the middle of this run, RJ, uh, or this stretch, I should say, where... It's not even really a stretch, a pair of games where they can get tested. A visiting Wake Saturday at noon, and then next weekend they host NC State. That one might be a little bit more of a challenge. They've still got Notre Dame off in the distance. 
Uh, they've still got Miami off in the distance, but they've got to get through these two right now. I, I, in my gut, I want to believe that Wake Forest keeps it close, but we outlined a whole bunch of numbers. Kayla and I both did. What's your gut tell you about this one? I mean, the gut says Clemson wins. Uh, that's that's the gut sure. reaction, right? The you know, whether or not they cover is a different story. I, I've always been a fan of Wake. Uh, you know, I, I'm a big fan of uh, you know of Hartman. I, I can't believe I'm saying this because I haven't liked their coach ever. But um, you know, I, I do think that Wake is a is a is a tough team to kind of put my finger on, right? You know, like their offense, right. you know, can be really really good, but their defense can just be a sieve. Uh, and, and, and that's why I think the over is the absolute play here. I, I, it's very low number to me. Uh, I probably wouldn't touch uh, the uh, the point spread if I did. I, I might lean Clemson, but, you know, to me, this is much more uh, of an over bet. You know, just because Kayla said it, I mean, you know, both teams are averaging 40 points a game. And, you know, Cl- you know Wake, Wake can't stop a nosebleed. I mean, they just gave up 36 to Liberty. So I, I, don't, I don't see them uh, – I, I don't see them stopping Clemson, even though I don't, I'm not a big fan of DJ. Uh, you know, it's just a matter of can Wake score it up against Clemson's defense, which has got first-rounders everywhere. Total on that one, 55 and a half. So if you're like us and you want to test uh, test the under, you're going under 55 and a half. Uh, and the spread, again, right around seven, seven and a half at BetMGM upon last check. Clemson visiting Wake Forest at noon on Saturday. A couple hours later, we go uh, a little farther to the west and a little farther to the north, but we go to the SEC for what is another big game. It feels like every week early this season, we've had a big matchup in the SEC East. This is one of those as well. 20 Florida, 11 Tennessee, 330. This is the CBS SEC game of the week. 10.5 point spread. Vols favored by 10.5. Total six sitting at 62.5. It's real easy to just look at this one, I think, guys, and say, oh, well, it's about the quarterbacks. It's about Hooker. It's about Richardson. Let's just boil it down to that. But the Gators have been absolutely gashed on the ground. 230 rushing yards against Utah. 286 uh, last week in a sort of a backdoor win over South Florida. And Tennessee's offense, you know, churning out plays, getting to the line quickly, averaging over seven yards a play in their three games. They've already got more than half a dozen plays from scrimmage of 40 yards or more. I think I like the over here. And I think I'm leaning towards Tennessee covering what is what should be considered, I think, a pretty big number, RJ, for an SEC East rivalry game. Yeah, it's a big number. Um, this is a number that, you know, Florida would have had against Tennessee, you know, over the last 15 years uh, where Tennessee's been down. Uh, this is like a really odd role reversal. I, I don't think I would go. The only, like, you know, truthfully, if Tennessee doesn't turn the ball over, they should win the game. Uh, mm-hmm. And if they don't turn it over at all, they should cover. Florida's quarterback, you know, Richardson is, is – he's electrifying, but he can't throw. He, he's at, at this stage of his career, he's not yet a thrower. He is a fantastic runner. Uh, but, but I mean, his throwing leaves a lot to be desired. And you have to throw to keep up with that team. In order to keep up with Tennessee, you're going to have to throw the football. And I don't know that they can. Uh, I think the over, again, in this one is, is probably the play. Uh, you know, because Tennessee's going to want to speed them up quite a bit. You know, that number, though, man, I, I just can't. I'm so, I'm so in like, I'm so in this whole Tennessee stinks thing because I, we, we've stumped for 15 <laughs> years, 20 years. And it's like, I can't imagine being a 10 and a half point favorite over air half the time, let alone Florida. <laughs> so I, I, I can't, I can't figure that one out. 
All right, this is where Kayla comes in and gives us some logic and reason because RJ's struggling with what the Vols have been for the last decade and a half. Logic, reason, Kayla, go ahead. I mean, <clears throat> I'm right there with you guys. It's it's everything you said. Florida's had two one-score close wins. Meanwhile, Tennessee leads the SEC in scoring at 52 points per game. Um, Hendon Hooker having a having a time. He's thrown six TD, six TDs while rushing for two. Um, he's had one TD pass in 15 straight games, by the way. That's pretty awesome. Meanwhile, Anthony Richardson has yet to throw a passing touchdown this season. Um, Florida's 0-8 against the spread in their last eight road games, 0-5 in the last five conference games and Tennessee meanwhile is three and zero against the spread this season. We know Nalen's going to be rocking and the Gators battle better buckle up because this one, I feel like could get pretty ugly in a hurry. So I'm right there with you. I'm going to take Tennessee minus 10 and a half. I'm actually going to stay away from the total, but I would lean the under just based on past history oh. and due to Florida's lack of a passing game right now. There you go, RJ. You feel better. Logic, Man. reason, oh, Kayla, so giving it now. to the Vols. I love logic. I love reason. Uh, yeah, I, I, love, I love hearing that. Numbers I love don't lie. That, okay? That's Numbers right. Numbers don't lie. Just look, I said it all week. It's Florida week. Get me to Bama undefeated. Like, just, just get me to Bama undefeated. It's it's this week and then at LSU. Like, get me to Bama without a loss. And I'll be happy. Uh, whew, speaking of the SEC West, that's where we go. For another huge one in the SEC. This one, 7 o'clock on ESPN Saturday. Number 10, Arkansas, visiting number 23, Texas A&M. Aggies favored by two at home. Uh, excuse me, total sitting at 48 and a half. I, I still might be on the under here, guys, because A&M's offense has been atrocious, at least the passing offense. 99th in the country, averaging just 208 yards a game through the air. Arkansas, meanwhile, I guess the movable object against the irresistible force, they're allowing 335 a game through the air, which is dead last in D1. But they do lead the nation in sacks. What do we make of that? I don't know. A&M's only scored 31 points over their last two games combined, including that loss to App State and their win over Miami a week ago. Um, 48 and a half is a low number for college football in this day and age. But I think I'm going to lean on the under, and I think I'm going to lean on Arkansas taking points on the road at AM. I'm right there with you. Uh, despite pulling out wins, both teams have str struggled last weekend in AM, as you mentioned, that home loss against App State before that. Uh, this is going to be a battle of AM defense versus Arkansas offense, and here is why. Arkansas offense is scoring 30-plus points per game, but giving up 27. Meanwhile, AM is scoring 21 per game and only giving up nine. Um, QB, KJ Jefferson has completed 70.5% of his passes, and two against spread so far, and none of their games have hit the over this season, by the way. Meanwhile, Arkansas is 2-1 and one against the spread, and all of their games have hit the over. So what is one to do? Um, this is hard for me, and I'm really going to pick, in, pick a team against a team I thought originally, guys, I had in the top four at the beginning of the year, as we talked about. Um, and could the Aggies really go two and two to start the season? I think that's what's going to happen here. So I'm going to take Arkansas at plus two and a half. And I'm going to stay away from the total. But like you, Chris, I would kind of lean the under here. Yeah, this would be one that would vault Arkansas, you would think, into the top 10 and drop AM out of the polls, RJ. And you're down in Texas. This is an old school Southwest Conference matchup. Yeah, this is, you know, Jerry Jones got this game at his, at his place in Arlington uh, at uh, AT&T. 
Uh, so he's loved this. This thing has been here for, gosh, over a decade now. And weird things happen in this game. I, I like Arkansas in this one. I don't trust A&M's quarterback situation. I do like the under. I'm with you on that. I think Arkansas is a sneaky team. Uh, I, I don't know that they can compete with Bama, but this is going to be a team. I mean, they're in the top 10 now. They'll be in the top 10, you know, until they wind up losing that game uh, when they when they play Bama, uh, if they do lose it. So, this is a uh, this is a very good team. They're they're one of the sneaky good teams in college football. And if the, if A and M loses this one, like Jimbo's basically he's basically got the same record as Kevin Sumlin does after like fifty games anyway. That's uh, this is this is and, a tricky spot for him. And I know the buyout is enormous with Jimbo at A and M, like otherworldly the buyout. But if they're unhappy with him and they want to make it happen, they have the donors to make it happen. And, oh, by the way, if things don't work out in West Virginia, allow me to tie this together, although it may seem a bit conspiracy theorist to some. Jimbo's from West Virginia. If West Virginia were to part with Neil Brown after they go, say, 5-7 and this year, I know they had a great win against Virginia Tech, but if that were to happen, that would be prime for the Mountaineers to gather bushels of cash, go ahead, uh, bring Milan Pharmaceuticals in, bring in Joe Manchin, bring all the big donors in, and bring Jimbo back home to West Virginia. So Jimbo may not be looking at this necessarily as a pressure spot. He might be looking at it as, hey, I'm always going to have a soft landing spot back home if I were to get run out of College Station. Just something to keep in mind. Another thing to keep in mind before we get to three really interesting conference matchups in the top 10, we talked about Kansas hosting Duke. After their big win at Houston last week, which it was hilarious to see Dana Holgerson's postgame press conference where he looked, he almost looked like he was shell-shocked. He just kind of looked at the media and said, "Eh, yeah, they're good. And it always sounds funny when somebody says that about Kansas, but look out, Kansas is good. Kayla, as a Mizzou girl, I know this hurts your heart, but Kansas (laughs) is favored by a touchdown over Duke. They're going to have their first sellout in three years. This is an opportunity for the Jayhawks to show everybody that they are back for the first time in a decade and a half. And I don't see any reason not to jump on them only laying seven. It's bad enough that they had to win the uh, NCAA tournament and now they're good at football again. Like just, they can only have one. I just, Kansas is a basketball school. They're never going to be a football school. Uh, I, I hate this. I just, I hope, <laughs> I hope Duke somehow gets the win. Probably not going to happen. Yeah. I don't know what's going on with KU, but um, it just makes it, it stings a little more due to the fact that Mizzou is doing so poorly this season. So I don't know, honestly, what I would take in this game. I always root against Kansas. So I'm not the best person to ask. Because All right. I, man. It's, it's a no play for <laughs> Kayla. Cause she run, can't. <laughs> run deep. No, I get you. I get you. I could, yeah. I wouldn't, I would have a hard time betting on Ohio state in my case, but RJ, can you, can you set aside, even if you were, even if you were a Mizzou cat, could you set aside yeah. the rivalry to lay a few bucks on, on the Jayhawks here? I could always set aside anything for money. Uh, exactly. Aside, <laughs> uh, yeah. I'll tell you this, you know, Kansas was the best bet in the world for a decade. You, yeah. They literally could not make the line big enough. Um, you know, for, they, they could not mm-hmm. make them a big enough dog. And now I think we're trickling to the other side where they can't make them a big enough favorite. The, I think Kansas wins this one fairly easy. I love Coach Lance. Love Lance. And he has done something that you can't do at Kansas, and that is actually turn out to be a 
relatively marginally competitive football program. And I don't know if you noticed this. Did you see like the four winningest college basketball teams are all three and up? I know. And it's wild. That is, a, that is a crazy thing to see. What do you throw? Syracuse, Duke, there? Kansas, Kentucky, yeah, Carroll. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the magic Except of three, three, yeah, three top ten teams have spreads in the teens against conference opponents. We touch on Ohio State, Michigan, and Oklahoma in just a couple of moments. Plus, we get you our best bets of the week as well, alongside Kayla Canaram and RJ Choppy. I'm Chris Mack, and this is BetQLU. This is BetQLU with RJ, Chris, and Kayla here on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. <laughs> Back to BetQLU with RJ Choppy, Chris Mack, and Kayla Canaram on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. So we managed to play to everybody's uh, rivalry strengths or alma mater strengths just a bit here this morning, this evening on BetQLU. Uh, we're with you every Friday night and Saturday morning on the BetQL Network, live coast to coast there. And of course, wherever you might be in the world on your Odyssey app, plus on Twitch, twitch.tv slash BetQL alongside Kayla Canaram and RJ Choppy. I'm Chris Mack. Kayla's mad because Kansas is good. Uh, so <laughs> she, RJ is, I think, I, I think happy that Tennessee is good, but not allowing himself yeah. to be happy. And we're not talking about Penn State this week because they play Central Michigan, but it does bring us to the team I despise more than any other, although I have been caught betting on them in the past. Number three, Ohio State Buckeyes, one of three top 10 teams that have a double-digit spread to cover in the conference and at home in the conference. So are any of these attractive to us for the dogs? We've got Wisconsin going into Columbus is a 19-point dog to, as I mentioned, the number three Buckeyes. We've got Maryland going into Ann Arbor as 17-point dogs against number four Michigan. And we've got Kansas State going to Norman to face number six Oklahoma as 12-and-a-half-point dogs. Kayla, any of these dogs you're willing to back? I'm once again hopping on the Sooners wagon, if you will. Um, on average, they are beating teams by 32.3 points. I think they will absolutely win by two scores over the Wildcats. So give me the Sooners at minus 13. I'm I'm pretty confident on them right now. I'm caught. I really like that Oklahoma number, just 12 and a half yeah. against Kansas State. RJ, I I like the Michigan number. Maryland has has been somewhat better by Maryland standards over the last year and a half, two seasons. But Michigan's just been a juggernaut this year, and I don't see them failing to cover against Maryland at home. The one I have an eye on, and I don't know what you think, is I know Ohio State has covered big numbers against the Badgers in the past, especially in Columbus, but there's just something about this one. It's grown all week, and it, it does it look like it's 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 pretty close as far as sharp money as opposed to public money? I think I'm on Wisconsin to to not get blown out by Ohio State. Oh man, yeah. Here's the issue. Um, I, I think against a, I mean, Wisconsin lost at Washington State. Um, right. It, it, it looked like 
it, it looked like they couldn't score. And they couldn't. Their, their offense is terrible. Um, I would I would be really stunned. I'd be disappointed in Ohio State if they didn't cover this thing. Yeah. I think I think the one I'd, I'd be interested in, I, I think OU covers. I agree with you guys. I think Ohio State covers. I, I'm not, I don't have a great feel on Michigan versus Maryland. Okay. Maryland is a weird – they're a weird team to me. Like, I could easily see them sneaking up and getting a backdoor cover in there. Uh, but then again, I mean, you know, w- would it stun you if Michigan won 42-7? to seven? I mean, no, I wouldn't not be at surprised all. by that one either. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the, the thing that has me on Wisconsin, you make a good point, their offense has just been atrocious, um, is that loss to Washington State was somewhat fluky. Like, 11 penalties, three turnovers. Uh, they caused three turnovers of their own, but on one of their picks, they fumbled the ball back to Washington State on the on the very same interception return. Washington State ended up turning it into the go-ahead points. You're right. You shouldn't, if, if you're, at least half a halfway decent Wisconsin team, you shouldn't lose to Washington State. But there's just something about that Big Ten rivalry between the Badgers and the Buckeyes. I know it's in Columbus. I know Ohio Ohio State is a juggernaut. I think 11 touchdowns on 12 possessions, 13 possessions last week um, in a walkover. I, I don't know. You may have talked some logic into me, but I'm probably going to end up doing the dumb thing and betting against the team that I hate in Ohio State. This is where logic and reason would come back around and save me, Kayla. But I don't. I, do you have logic and reason to expl- explain it away for me? I don't because I'm right there with you. I think Wisconsin's going to cover. As you said, it's this Big Ten rival that we love to watch. Granted, yes, it is at Ohio Stadium, but in their last matchup, uh, it was 34-21 OSU. So a difference of 13 points. I, I just think they'll keep it closer than we think they will. Especially we will with, learn, with it being yeah. a conference rival, yeah. We, we will learn a lot about, I think, despite these big spreads and the fact that, you know, nobody should be threatened to actually lose straight up in these games. I think we'll learn a lot about the complexion of the top uh, eight to ten teams this week based on the outcomes and, and you know, if we don't get covers in some of these games, uh, will, it, will it necessarily drop teams down in the rankings? Most likely not because a lot of these teams – are, are playing, again, walkovers, even if they're in conference. But I think, you know, the, the possibility that Arkansas moves up in the top 10, the possibility that Tennessee jumps into the top 10. Um, you know, we talked about Clemson possibly facing a little bit of a speed bump against Wake Forest. I know there's another game out west in the top 10 that I have an eye on we'll get to in our best bets. But it definitely feels like things are starting to, now that we've hit conference play, RJ, things are starting to sort of sift out a little bit. I know you mentioned that last week towards the end of the show. We're starting to get to the games of consequence. We've had one-offs here and there in conferences between rivals, but this is, you know, week four is where we really start to, especially in conferences with nine conference games, where you really start to get into the meat of the schedule. Yeah, this this is where it gets good. You know, we shouldn't have another bad weekend until like that SEC first SOCON weekend uh, in November, right? The SOCON Saturday. That, that's about the next time right. we should have a bad weekend of college football. Other than that, I mean, we should be we should be kind of good to go. And this is where it gets good because now you're going to maybe see some upsets, uh, you know, of you know between you know between conference foes, and and this is where you start to get a much clearer picture on the national championship as uh, as you know the conferences become more uh, and more clear. You know, it's easier now than ever before to not win your conference. <laughs> And make the final four, or or to make you know to still win the title. It's easier now than ever, 
and this is it starts basically this weekend. Yeah, especially if you're one of those teams that's in the top 10 in the SEC or the Big Ten in Ohio State, in Michigan's case especially, you can you can get there with one loss. It's certainly not yeah. impossible. The one spot where, and, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, uh, the one spot where it may be difficult to get to the playoff with one loss is the Pac-12. That's one of the spots, Pac-12, Big 12. Um, and USC has an interesting one today, which brings us to our best bets. Uh, I'm going to go first if you guys don't mind. I don't understand why number seven USC, arguably the highest octane offense in the country, certainly the best in the Pac-12, is being faded by a lot of sharp money this week. Maybe there's something I don't know that I'm missing because I'm on the other side of the country, but this is the highest powered uh, power five offense in the country, as I mentioned. A road conference game, sure. And maybe some recency bias has people on the Oregon State offense uh, after they routed Montana State. I don't know what that counts for. Uh, But it feels to me like we've been gifted a smaller spread here. If you're like me and you like USC, now that it feels like if they can just get past Utah in a couple weeks, they will be on their way towards if they can win the Pac-12 title game then, a playoff spot. USC only having to lay five and a half at Oregon State. I really like this one. I don't know what you guys think. I'll tell you this. There are three off-the-beaten-path you know, teams that I don't want to play on the road at night. South Carolina, Iowa State, and Oregon State. Like, weird things happen in Ames, Iowa at night. It's just whatever. It, I don't know what it is. Uh, I don't know. But, and, then, and then Corvallis is the same thing. Like, if I'm a top-10 team, I really don't want to go there for a night game. Uh, they have nothing to do in Oregon, uh, literally at all, other than to get you know lubed up for a football game. There's not a whole lot going on there, so this freaks me out. This game freaks me out if I'm a, if I'm a USC fan. This from our producer Zach: the amount of action on Oregon State to cover the spread against USC at Caesars now has more money on that alone than any any of the 16 NFL Week Three games. That's just over three times more money on the Oregon State spread alone than any other week four college football game. So maybe I'm the dummy. Wouldn't be the first time. But I I feel like there's a lot of people diving headlong in onto Oregon State. And I'm still standing strong with the Trojans. We'll see how it works out. Kayla, what's your best bet of the week? I'm going to do one we kind of already mentioned. And that is I'm going to take the Wake Forest team total of over 23 and a half. I know Clemson's going to be a test for them, but they're averaging 42 a game. Um, And Sam Hartman's had an incredible story coming back. He's had two great games after that scary blood clot in his chest he had removed. He's now had 625 yards and seven touchdowns through those two games. Um, Like I said, Clemson's going to be a test certainly, but I like what we've seen thus far on offense. So um, I'm going to take them team total 20 over 23 and a half. Yeah, I like that one. I like the the total for the game as well there, RJ. Uh, we talked about Wake and Clemson earlier. Who's your best bet this week? Man, I got a few of them. Give them to me. Give them to me. Give them to me. All right. I'll, I'll just start it off right here. I like TCU minus uh, two against SMU. Okay. Uh, I like that one a lot. Uh, TCU has actually had an undercover decent season. Uh, I also like Virginia plus 10 against Syracuse. 
Uh, I, I like UVA to cover the 10 points. And then those are my two best. Also, if you want to throw ODU, Old Dominion minus five in there, knock yourself out. Wow. He's coming in with the ODU as well. Man. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention, uh, that USC game that we talked about that has a huge handle on it at Caesars and a couple other places. Also the biggest total of the week, which is interesting. The total on that one uh, is all the way up to 70 and a half. Uh, last week, just 62 points between USC and Fresno. They came under the 73. Uh, it should be a wildly entertaining game, if nothing else. Not sure why it's on Pac-12 Network and not on a, a bigger distributor or a, a better better network uh, for watching that one. Smallest total this week. Are, do we all agree we're still in on the Iowa under? They're at Rutgers, and it's at 35 and a half. <laughs> yes, let's go for it. Why not? Come on. Team team best bet. Come on. Let's do it. Pinky swear, RJ. You're, okay, we're in on it. Uh, if I'm you're in. watching on I'm Twitch, in. we just pinky swear. <laughs> we're all in on it. We're in on the Iowa Rutgers under at 35 and a half. Uh, we will be back next week to break it all down again as we do every Friday night and Saturday morning for an hour with BetQLU, live coast-to-coast on the BetQL network, wherever you may be in the world on your Odyssey app, and right here on Twitch as well, twitch.tv slash BetQL. We'll break down week four and look ahead to week five as we'll flip the calendar into October as well. The leaves turning in some places, college football hitting its stride. We've got you covered right here on the BetQL network. This is BetQLU with RJ, Chris, and Kayla here on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM.